B'Shem Hashem Na'asev and Asliach. Welcome everyone once again to our weekly Zerat Shimshon Shi'ur on the parasha. We are holding on parashat Pegbudei. Um, we're going to be doing Ot Aleph, the Ma'amar Aleph, the first Ma'amar of the Zerat Shimshon. This Shi'ur is Leilui Nishmat Yitzchak ben Matatiahu and also Rafael ben Munavar, Immanuel ben Munavar, Nisan Haim ben Helen. And it is for the Rafuah Shalema of Kol Cholam Israel. And may the brachot that the Zerah Shimshon gives for all those that are single, they should be Zocheh, to find their Zivugim Begarov Bizmano Bezrat Hashem. Um, many people have recently either texted me or contacted me. Rabbi, please have this person in mind. Rabbi, please have that person in mind. I will try my best. Can't remember everyone, but um, the best thing to do is for them to listen to the shiur or join us at the shiur. That's the way it really, it really works. <clears throat> the the promise of the zerah shimshon, and obviously it is in the zechut and the leilu nishmat of the zerah shimshon himself, Rav Shimshon Chaim ben Nachman Michael Nachmeni. Zechutot aren alenu. So this parasha starts with the pasuk. Ele perudeh hamishkan mishkan haedut. These are the accountings of the Mishkan, the Mishkan, the Mishkan of testimony that was counted by the by Moshe Rabbeinu, the work of the Levites with by the hands of Itamar, the son of Aharon Hakohen. <coughs> so we are usually when we have a regular year, we're in a leap year this year. In a leap year, we have the separation of the two parashiot. We have last week we had parashat Vayarhel. This week we have parashat Pekudei. But normally, when we don't have a leap year, Vayakhel and Pekudei are together as one parasha. And they're really dealing with the same kind of subject. It's the tumult and the things that were brought for the Mishkan, for the building of the Mishkan. It discusses the building of the of the Mishkan in the desert, which was really the portable, so to speak, portable Beit HaMikdash that went with Bnei Israel all over the desert from Egypt, from after Egypt, after Matan Torah, after giving of the Torah, all the way to Eretz Israel. So now, here, the first pasuk of the parsha that we just mentioned says, these are the accountings, meaning these are the things that were brought for the Mishkan, these are the things that were done for the Mishkan. These are the accountings of the Mishkan, the Mishkan of testimony. So first question you have to ask yourself is why the repetition? Just say, These are the accountings of the Mishkan of testimony. Why does it say, these are the accountings of the Mishkan? What Mishkan? The Mishkan of testimony. Just say, these are the accountings of the Mishkan of testimony. That's it. The repetition of the second word Mishkan is superfluous here. We don't need it. Why is it here? So right there, there is Rashi. Rashi actually pops up right away and says, why the repetition of the word Mishkan? It's a very famous Rashi. Very deep Rashi. Very deep Rashi. Now the Rashi says like this. I'll read the Rashi inside. Rashon Rashi. Rashi says, Hamishkan Mishkan. Why does it say Hamishkan and then say Mishkan? Shane Pa'amim twice. Remez le Mikdash. 
It is a hint to the Mikdash, which is the Beta Mikdash, Shenit Mashken Bishne Chorbanim. That will become, Mitnashken means Mashkon. Um, Mishkan is the Mishkan, right? The, the tabernacle, which we had all the, during the desert. And had everything in it, the men- menorah in it, and the, the, uh, the, the Aron HaKodesh was in it. That's the Mishkan. What does mish- Mashkon mean in Hebrew? Mashkon means collateral. If you want to leave a collateral for something, it's called leaving a Mashkon. You go, you want to buy... Um, I don't know, you want to buy uh, something really expensive, you find it like, you know, uh, a deal and you don't want it to be taken, you, you leave your watch with the seller and you go, listen, I'm going to leave my watch as a collateral, keep the watch, I'll go to the ATM and bring you cash. Right? That's a mashkon. Just a, I don't know, that's the example that popped into my mind. That's what we'll keep. That's a mashkon. So the word mishkan and mashkon are related, are relative. Therefore, Rashi says, why is it that it says Hamishkan Mishkan? It's a remez, it's a hint to the to the Mikdash, to the Beit Hamikdash, that became, that was taken as collateral Bishnei Churbanin in the two destructions of the temple. Meaning, God, so to speak, when He destroyed the temple, the two temples, the Beit, Beit Rishon and Beit Sheni, the first Beit Hamikdash and the second temple, second, first and second temple, they were taken by as collateral by God, because of the sins of the Jews. So Rashi right there says, you know why there's a repetition of the word Mishkan? First it says Elepekude Hamishkan. These are the countings of the Mishkan, the Mishkan. Which Mishkan? Mishkan Ha'edut. The, the Mishkan of testimony. Why the repetition of the word Mishkan? Oh, it's hinting to the two, so to speak, Mishkans, two Betamikdash that were going to be taken in the future as collateral because of the sins of Bnei Israel. Rashi don't stop there. Rashi says, continues, why does it say Mishkan Ha'edut? Why does it say the, the, the Mishkan of testimony? Right? <clears throat> what testimony? What edut? What, what, what testimony are we talking about? Someone gave an, someone was a witness for something? What is it? He says, you know what it is? It says the Mishkan, edut Israel. the Mishkan itself is a testimony for the Jews. Sheviter lahem HaKadosh Baruch Hu al Egel. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu forgave the Jews on the act of worshipping the golden calf. The Mishkan stood as a testimony that God forgave Bnei Israel for their sin of the golden calf. That's the testimony. What does the Mishkan testify to? The Mishkan testifies that God forgave the Jews when they worshipped the golden calf. They were forgiven. Why is, that, why is the Mishkan a testimony? Because when God said, build the Mishkan, He said, Mishkan Build a Mishkan for me, and I will dwell amongst you. Which meant, God said, I will give you something, I'm going to give you the Mishkan, because you felt by the sin of the golden calf, I'm going to leave you. But in, to prove to you that I've forgiven you, I will have you build me a home so that I will always dwell among you. That was a testimony for his forgiveness. 
just to show you that I ain't going nowhere, I'm going to have you build me my room right in your house. I don't know why this is coming out of me tonight. Maybe I'm a little too tired. I don't know if God talks like that. He's never spoken to me. Not that I know of. I wouldn't tell if he did. <laughs> but anyway. So that's what Rashi says. Those are the words of Rashi. So number one, the repetition of the word Mishkan is the double language is for the two Bate Mikdash that God would take away as a Mashkon. And the fact that it says Mishkan Ha'edut, the Mishkan of testimony, what testimony? The Mishkan is a testimony that God forgave Bnei Israel for the sin of the golden calf. And the source of Mosh, uh, the source of Rashi is actually from Midrash Tanchuma. It's from a Midrash. So far, so good. Everybody following what Rashi says. <clears throat> now let's let's open this up a bit. Rashi is saying that God gave the Mishkan to Bnei Israel, and the fact that there is a repetition of the word Mishkan in the Pasuk is because God would take away the Beit HaMikdash later on for the sins of Am Yisrael. And then it says, but there's a testimony by the Mishkan that Hashem forgave Bnei Israel for the sin of the golden calf. Now, <clears throat> the commentators, the Chachamim ask, the Mefarshim ask on this, on this Rashi. Mefarshim say, there's a pasuk that says, Uvyom pokti ufakantiti alehem chatatam. And on the day that I make an accounting, I shall bring their sin to account against them. That's a pasuk. And Rashi explains in that pasuk something that we've discussed before, actually. A couple of weeks ago, we had it again, and we talked about it, if you remember. Rashi over there says, quite clearly, that after, Rashi says, after Hashem forgave Bnei Israel for the sin of the golden calf, he told Moshe Rabbeinu as follows, and that pasuk is, on the day that I make an accounting, I shall bring their sin to account against them. What does that mean? Rashi says, the pasuk means, although I forgave B'nai Israel for the sin of the golden calf, anytime the nation of Am Israel sins against me, I will bring the sin of the golden calf to account against them. Which means what? Does that tell you that God forgave us for the sin of the golden calf or He didn't forgive us for the sin of the golden calf? What does that tell you? When the Pasuk says, Anytime B'nai Israel sin against me, I will bring forth the sin of the golden calf in their face. What does that mean? Does that mean he forgave us for the sin of the golden calf or he didn't forgive us for the sin of the golden calf? Which would it mean to you? I think it goes both ways. But okay, so I would say, if you're saying both, it means not entirely. Not entirely. I think it would show that the fact that he forgave the Jewish people for the sin of the golden calf, he could be forgiving again in the event that the Jewish people sin because he's a merciful, forgiving entity. Keep that thought. 
So meaning, Rashi is saying that there is no punishment that ever, like we've mentioned before, there is no punishment that comes upon the Jewish nation that does not have a remnant of the golden calf, the sin of the golden calf in it. Everything the Jewish nation goes through as a punishment is rooted somehow in the sin of the golden calf. So which one is it? Were we forgiven or were we not forgiven? If you're saying every punishment has remnants of the sin of the golden calf, doesn't sound like we were forgiven. Sounds like we're still paying for it. Right? It's kind of like it's kind of like being married. You know? <laughs> Feels like that. Like everything is great until a small little tiny little forget a fight, a small little argument breaks out, an argument, and then it's like, it's that like that time that you forgot my birthday. It could be like 30 years ago. You'd be like, seriously? I just forgot to buy milk. What? How did 30 years ago your birthday just come up right now? Right? I, I thought we were like, I bought you a new car after that. I thought like we were, we were over it. Nah. You got over it, okay? I never, I, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little personal here. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, so which is it? If Rashi's telling us there's no punishment that the Jews received that does not have remnants of the golden calf in it, that sounds like we were not forgiven. But then Rashi in our parsha is saying, that the Mishkan was an edut, a testimony that God forgave Ben Israel for the golden calf. Yet every punishment, every, every tragedy, which is included in that tragedy, what? The two temples are included in that tragedy. The greatest tragedies to befall the nation of Am Yisrael is losing the two temples. The fact that we lost the two temples is, is, is rooted in the sin of the golden calf. But connected in the same Rashi, as Rashi is telling us, you know why it says Mishkan, Mishkan Hayadut? It's telling us that the two Patem Mikdash are going to be taken away for the sins of Am Yisrael. When the Jews are going to sin, God's going to take away the two Patem Mikdash, the two temples. Oh, and by the way, the fact that it says Mishkan Hayadut, it's because God forgave Bnei Israel. He was telling us that He forgave us for the sin of the golden calf. Hold on, you just told me He destroyed the two temples because of our sins. What sins? It seems from the next Rashi, it was because of the golden calf that we lost the Beit HaMikdash. So you're telling us that the Mishkan itself is an edut that he forgave us, but then he destroyed the two temples because of the same sin? Whoa. <gasps> Y'all feel me? I don't know why, bro. <laughs> In a certain sense, in a certain sense, not completely, in a certain sense. But just like how you're saying that every time you do a sin, it reminds you of, it reminds us of the sin of the golden calf. It's also to come to remind us that he also forgave us for the sin of the golden calf by building the mishkan. So that's that's essentially what we are saying. But then again, was it forgiven or not? So what you're essentially saying is what we're saying right now. It was forgiven, but eh, not forgotten. You know how it is? Like, like exactly. 
Like, you know, like some people, not no one that I know, some people teach in their Shalom Bayit classes, right? That women might forgive, but they never forget. <laughs> All the women are laughing because they know how 100% true that is. It's just the nature of a woman. It doesn't mean that she didn't forgive you. They 100% full-heartedly forgive. But forgetting... No one talked about forgetting. <laughs> Who said anything about forgetting? Oh, we'll never, <laughs> ever. <laughs> right? It's just, I'm not, I'm kidding around. Y'all women, you know that you don't forget. Anyway. <laughs> so, So really the question we're asking is, the fact that we lost the two Batem Mikdash is testimony to the fact that, yeah, the sin of the golden calf wasn't forgiven. Because Rashi is clearly saying that every tragedy that befalls B'nai Israel, Hashem is really saying, I will bring the sin of the golden calf in your face. I will make you see it once again. Um, that's what's going to be, like you have a prosecutor and that prosecutor always comes up at the wrong time. Hashem is saying the prosecuting event for B'nai Israel is the sin of the golden calf. But if it was forgiven, it shouldn't have been. So what's, what's, what's Rashi really telling us? Rashi does not make mistakes. So whenever we ask questions on Rashi, it's not to say that he made a mistake. It's because we need to understand what Rashi was trying to say. What is Rashi really saying? It has to make sense somehow. And we have to make it make sense. Therefore, the Gemara in Abu Zara says, now this is, this is, you thought that was crazy. <laughs> the Gemara in Abu Zara says, I will not be taking any questions after this. Okay? <laughs> the Gemara in Abu Zara, everyone's so excited now, they're like, oh great. The Gemara says in Abu Zara, Amud Hey Amud Aleph, Daf Hey Amud Aleph, it says, לא דוד ראוי לאותו מעשה, ולא ישראל ראויים לאותו מעשה. אלא למה עשו? לומר לך שאם חטא יחיד, אומרים לו, חלך אצל יחיד. ואם חטאו ציבור, אומרים לו, לכו אצל ציבור. with the sin that everyone thinks was a sin, which was what? The sin of, or let's put quote-unquote, the sin of Bathsheba. Neither did King David sin with Bathsheba, nor did B'nai Israel sin at the sin of the golden calf. And the Gemara says, it is a mistake to think that King David was a sinner with Bathsheba, and it is a mistake to think that the Jews were the responsible party to sin at the golden calf. I. So what happened? The Gemara follows, says, King David did what he did, was ordained by heaven for him to do so in that way, so that when an individual sins, She'im chata yachid, 
If an individual sins, they will tell the individual, go to that individual. And if the public sin, they'll tell him, go to that etzel hatsibur. Tzibur means the public. Meaning, Bnei Israel at the sin of the golden calf were not responsible either. It was ordained by Akadosh Baruch Hu for that to happen at that monumentous moment. For Bnei Israel to sin at the golden calf right after receiving the Torah at the height of like, I mean, can you imagine a greater time for the world? Forget the Jews. I mean, worldwide this was the moment. Right? If, if Snapchat or like Instagram worked those days, you think Harsinai would be. You think any other, like, it would have like broken the internet. Is that what I'm saying? People taking selfies with Harsinai, with the mountain, like, hey, you know, everyone's like putting their GPS, I'm here, you know, receiving the Torah now. <laughs> right? <laughs> but it was, it was a crazy time. The elevation that Bnei Israel felt at that moment to be, the, we were the highest, like mentioned here. That it was a moment that we had the chance of not having death in the world anymore. We were about to go back to the moment of creation. Like it was the height that we reached on our own by receiving the Torah. And then all of a sudden we just blew it all away with something that makes no sense whatsoever. Like you just saw God. You just received the Torah. You just heard God speak to you. And then literally like, not five minutes, but like it was right like around that time that we went and built a golden calf and everyone was worshiping it. How do you, how do you go from that to that? How do, you, how do you do that? Like you think what, seriously? You just heard God speak to you and like a cow interested you afterwards? Like how did that happen? Right? So that's why the Gemara says the generation was not fitting for that. Don't think that they were stupid. Don't think that this was something that just happened by choice. You're right. If you're thinking the idea was crazy for Ben Israel to do such a thing, you're absolutely right. You got to be crazy to believe that all of Ben Israel got together all of a sudden they're like, you heard God? Boring. Ah, how about a golden calf? You know? No. It didn't, it didn't happen like that. There was something that was going on that was ordaining it from heaven for Bnei Israel to sin at that moment. Such a great sin. Why? The Gemara is telling us perfectly. The Gemara is saying that there had to be, there had to be a moment where people can go back to and say, you know, if it happened then, it could happen again. What do I mean? David HaMelech, if anyone wants to think about someone that is righteous on the highest level, we keep seeing, we even sing a song about King David, right? David Melech Yisrael Chai Kayam, long live King David, right? But there was something in his lifetime that was a mistake, that is looked at as a mistake by some people. Like, what happened with Bathsheba? And she was married to somebody else, but she was in, during a divorce. She had gotten a divorce because he has gone to work. But, but he, he kind of sneakily went and married her it wasn't out in the open. It just didn't, it wasn't, it didn't look right. It wasn't right. It was, it was against everything King David stood for. 
So much so that when the Navi, when the Prophet came to King David and he told David Amelech in a parable, comparing something else to what King David did, he said, you know, somebody had something and it was the only one they had and then somebody else came and they could have had everything else, but they went for that one thing that that person had and they took it away from that person. How would you judge this person? He's like, I would kill him. I have mita, put him to death. So the Navi says, that's, that's you, that's what you did. You took someone else's something, even though it, you know, it wasn't theirs right now, but they were going to go back to it. It was a story, I can't get into the details. So David Amalekh literally like judged himself. He, he, it's not like he thought he was doing something right. Like, he knew this was kind of not so okay. Even though, again, the Gemara says he did nothing wrong. If, technically, he did nothing wrong. She was an unmarried woman. Right? All in all, the Gemara talks about it. Nothing was done that was wrong. So now, however, the Gemara is saying, you know why King David did such a thing? HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted him to. Why? Because he wanted people in the future to say, you know, there have been greats that were up here and they fell so low. They, fell so, they did something so wrong, yet HaKadosh Baruch Hu forgave them. So the Gemara says, in order so that when a person, a yachid, an individual sins, they can tell him, learn from the other individual. Who? King David. He was also forgiven. So you have a chance. Do teshuvah, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu will forgive you like Hashem forgave King David. He understood his mistake, right away he did teshuvah, and boom, HaKadosh Baruch Hu forgave him. So too, with Bnei Israel at Har Sinai, when Bnei Israel sent him the golden calf, it was ordained from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Hashem wanted Bnei Israel at the highest time in their life, as a nation, to sin together. Why? So that we'll have an example of a group as a nation sinning together. So that if Bnei Israel once again come about and sin as a nation together, they won't say, we're doomed. Yes, an individual could do teshuvah. An individual could ask for forgiveness. But we, are, we were all in this together. I mean, no one stopped anybody. We went forward. We just, we went crazy. All of us. Not one person stood up and said, hey, let's think about... No, we group, we are hand in hand and we did the worst sins imaginable. There's no way. Hashem wanted us to have an example. Even as an, at a national level, you have a chance. You will be forgiven. Because your ancestors on a national level together sinned against me with the worst sin possible, at the worst time possible, and I forgave and I forgave and I forgave. So Hashem was basically giving Bnei Israel a gift. Because he understood it's gonna happen. Bnei Israel are going to sin. They will drop. But he didn't want us to lose hope. So he wanted us to have something to look back on and say, it's happened before. And Hashem has forgiven us. And what has happened before was much worse than anything else that could ever happen. And truthfully, on a national level, nothing could beat the golden calf. Nothing. On a national level, what could beat it? The place we were, <laughs> having heard God personally and then going and worshipping an idol, nothing could get worse. 
So Hashem wanted us to have that. The Gemara says, He gave us a gift so that we can hold on to, so that we will never become hopeless. No matter what we do on a national level, we could always say, hey, at least at least we weren't at Matan Torah, at least we were, we were being worshipped a golden calf. I mean, come on, yeah, we made mistakes. We could ask Hashem, He'll forgive us. So the Gemara essentially is saying that if it wasn't for the sin of the golden calf, on a national level, we would have nothing to lean on. We would have no way out. We would have no reason to think that HaKadosh Baruch Hu would forgive us. So therefore, So basically, now going back to the Batim Mikdash, the first temple and the second temple, Zerah Shimshon is saying that the Zerah Shimshon is saying that the destruction of the temple was not a punishment per se for sins of the past. The destruction of the two temples was a punishment for the sins of Am Yisrael in those days. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu, from the time of the sin of the golden calf, he already knew that we are going to come to a time where we're going to drop on our, in our levels. And what's Hashem going to do? What, what, what will God do when the, when, when the Jews sin on a national level? There has to be punishment. But Hashem didn't want to punish us physically. He didn't want to hurt Bnei Israel physically. Like the way He threatened Moshe Rabbeinu at the time of the sin of the golden calf. Hashem said, I'm going to annihilate the entire nation. And I'll build a new nation from you. I'll get rid of all of them. The next nation is going to come from you. That's what Hashem wanted to do. But instead, Hashem forgave us. When we did Teshuvah, He forgave us. But then he, Hashem, so to speak, realized that in the future, when Bnei Israel do sin, what do we do then? When they don't have a Moshe Rabbeinu, what do we do then? Do I annihilate them? Can't happen. So I'm going to put a mechanism in place that will be a testimony for their forgiveness. You know what that, what that testimony is? The Mishkan. The Beit HaMikdash. The Beit HaMikdash came through the sin of Am Yisrael. Think about it. Many Mepharshim say that if you see in the Torah, when does Hashem tell Bnei Yisrael to build the Mishkan? Right after, right after the sin of the golden calf, right? Many commentaries say if it wasn't for the sin of the golden calf, Hashem would never have ordered us to build the Mishkan. We would not have needed it. It was a way of Hashem telling us we are forgiven. But forgiven for what? What does that even mean? The Zer Hashem Shon is clarifying that point. Saying, Hashem, because of the sin of Am Yisrael, recognize this could happen again. And if it happens again, I don't want it to come to a point of destruction of the nation. 
So you know, I'm going to be mechadesh something new. I'm going to build a new mechanism which will be an edut, which will serve as a testimony that I will always forgive them. What is the edut? What is that testimony? The batemikdash. You know why it's a testimony for me forgiving them? Because every time they sin against me on a national level, I won't punish them. I will destroy the temple instead. I won't hurt them physically. I will take away the betamikdash. This way I don't have to annihilate them. The fact that I'm taking away the Beit HaMikdash, the Mishkan itself, is a testimony for my forgiveness. So now we understand Rashi. Rashi is saying, Hashem said, for all of your sins, I will remember the sin of the golden calf, right? Which the Rashi before said was forgiven. You know what Rashi really is saying? Hashem is saying, I will remember the sin of the golden calf. How? I will remember how I forgave you because of the sin of the golden calf. And because of that, that's the reason I brought the mechanism of the Mishkan into play, which served as a testimony for my forgiveness. How? Because every time you guys sin against me on a national level, I will take away this Mishkan or Mashkon, the collateral. I will take away this collateral for you to see that I'm a forgiving God. Because if I wasn't, I wouldn't put my anger in stick and stones. I would annihilate all of you. But instead, I built in this mechanism called the Mishkan, the Beit HaMikdash, that serves as a testimony of my love. The fact that I take it away is proving my love to you. Telling you that you can, on a national level, do Teshuvah. You know where this brings us, guys? 2,000 years away after the second temple was destroyed. You know what that means? That means for 2,000 years, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is waiting for us to do Teshuvah on a national level. He's patiently waiting for us to do Teshuvah. And He wants to accept our repentance. He wants to accept us. He wants to give us a home again. He wants to give the Beit HaMikdash again. But it has to be on our terms. We're the ones who have to step forward and do Teshuvah. And that happens just by... Step by step, every day, doing the things that we're supposed to do, changing our lives. Everybody at their own pace. But at least recognizing that there is things that we can change. And that achdut that is caused through teshuvah is, 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 is unbelievable. It's huge. And that's what the Zer Shimshon is beautifully bringing out. I know this was a kind of like a hard idea. But at the, the, I feel the end is so powerful that it's really bringing out the Rashi that's telling us. Rashi that was telling you that the Mishkan was a collateral for the sins of Am Yisrael and at the same time telling us that the sins were forgiven. How did those two work together? It was really saying, yeah, the fact that God even ordered us to build a Mishkan was because of the sin of the Chet Egel. Because if it would be taken away, that would show us how much HaKadosh Baruch Hu really loves us. It's like a parent, you know, that wants to punish a child. And the parent comes and takes away the kid's bike. Or if they're older, that's it, you lose your rights to your car. What does that show? That the father hates the kid, or is it coming from love? And depending on how bad the act and action was, how badly the kid has to change, or how badly he has to apologize, then, I, then the father will return whatever it was that he took away. 
So the car becomes a testimony for what? Becomes a testimony for the father's love. I am doing this because I need you to learn your lesson. That's how beautifully Rashi is putting it. Mishkan ha'edut, it's, a, it's an edut, it's a testimony for God's forgiveness. The Mishkan became a testimony that Hashem really loves His children. And He's trying to tell us the fact that I've made the Mishkan a mashkon, a collateral, is me telling you how much I truly love you. So it doesn't mean that the sin of the golden calf, in this sense, wasn't fully forgiven. It's the opposite. Saying that the fact that there's remnants of the sin of the golden calf, in itself is testimony for Hashem's forgiveness. It's always a reminder that, look, if Hashem forgave the sin of the golden calf, on a national level, He can forgive us today on a national level. After all, we didn't do anything as bad as B'nai Israel did at that time. We just need to muster up the courage and ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu for help and redirection. Baruch Hanunai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.